Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee came to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood before them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Please be seated. The day begins with the evening. The day begins with the evening. We have gathered here tonight as the sun has rolled off the hills surrounding us, knowing that 2,000 years ago, long before light pollution and electricity in Jerusalem, the night surely had fallen deep and complete around the city. And it was in this darkness, in this depth of night, that Jesus rose from the grave. The day begins with the evening. And as our creation account tells us tonight, the day has always begun with the evening. In the beginning, read those well-worn words from Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, and God created light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first 
day. The days that God creates begin with the evening. This is why to this day Jews all over the world begin to mark the Sabbath when the sun goes down on Friday night, when most of Western culture assumes the day is winding down God's own people. No, twilight marks just the beginning. God is perhaps most creative in the blackness, in the void over the face of the deep. And yet we live in a world where darkness can feel frightening. I hear this phrase all the time. These are dark times we live in. These dark times when the news feels bleaker every day. These dark times of loneliness lurking in hospital rooms. These dark times in the hardship of saying goodbye. These dark times when children are pulled away from their parents. These dark times when the world watches with horror as a nearly thousand-year-old church collapses under the weight of a burning roof. And yet, in the darkness, God is blooming. The day begins with the evening which is why our story tonight picks up in the early dawn. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joanna and the other women, they find one another in the late darkness, the early dawn. Maybe they find one another with furtive glances on the road to the tomb silently stealing past centurions posted along the city gates, centurions sent to keep the Jewish people under control on this holy Passover, this holy festival when Jews remember that God did not make humans to live in chains. The women gather in the way that women are taught to know to gather when there has been a death the way that women are taught to know that in the midst of chaos and trauma, someone has to clean off the countertops and put food in the refrigerator. Maybe it's as if Joanna knows to make her best casserole because ladling the ingredients into a dish won't bring back Mary's boy, but it is something she can do with her hands. Except instead of casseroles and cleaning countertops. The women have prepared ointments they intend to use on Jesus's corpse. These women walking in the darkness are probably not fearless, but they are going to plunge their way into this early dawn and they are going to meet their Lord. They just don't know it yet. They arrive at the place the tomb, only to find that the stone is gone. Gone. The text says they were perplexed by this, but I think this translation is too soft. The root of the Greek word used here is ripto, which means to hurl or throw. The ground under their feet is destabilized because what the women have known has been hurled through that tomb's gaping door. And then two dazzling strangers appear. 
Terrified, they drop to cover their faces, but these dazzling strangers say the most shocking thing. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has been raised. Here, I imagine a dramatic pause, a moment when these dazzling strangers maybe smile softly, even coyly, and say, remember? Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee? Before he entered Jerusalem, before the palms, before the Last Supper, when you were by those sapphire blue waters and he was unfolding God before you. Remember? The human one must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And the women remember. They remember who God is, and they remember that nothing could keep God from loving them, and nothing could keep God in a grave when God, you might recall, cast the heavens and the earth into place. In this account of the resurrection from the Gospel of Luke, there's no mistaking Jesus as the gardener. There's no Jesus meeting the women on the road. What the women have are their memories, an empty tomb, and some dazzling strangers. And so when they run to tell the other disciples, all those disciples hear is an idle tale. Can we blame them? I mean, if I am honest, I do wonder how much quicker women might have been ordained if the disciples had believed the women. And while I say that jovially and seriously, I do have sincere empathy for the disciples. The women are reminding them of their own memories of their Jesus, whom they just saw die on a cross. In fact, the Common English Bible translates this verse as their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. Resurrection is nonsense. Resurrection is so incandescently strange that it defies the logics we have of life plummeting to an unceasing end. Resurrection is nonsense. And yet, Jesus' resurrection from the dead is real. Resurrection is a dazzling nonsense that threatens the very powers and principalities that put Jesus on that cross. Jesus' resurrection defies the empire that hung him as a criminal. Jesus' resurrection shows that no forces of oppression in this world will have the final word. And resurrection is a dazzling nonsense that interrupts our own trauma. Because the disciples were traumatized. And here these women come clamoring that in the depth of the darkest night, Jesus has conquered death. It is easier 
for the disciples to continue to believe what they have seen, that their Messiah abandoned them and they abandoned him and he died brutally and publicly and finally. The hope that these women are shouting does not make sense because there's a powerful temptation to believe the worst thing is the truest thing. But hope, like the day, begins with the evening. Hope begins in the darkness where there is only the dim memory of who God was when things were easier. Choosing to have the hope of the resurrection is not convenient. It is not sensible, which is why we must choose hope. Hope may be nonsensical, but so too is Jesus. Resurrection does not undo the crucifixion, but Christ rising from the grave tells us death does not have the final word. And what Jesus does shows us there is nothing so broken, so awful in our lives that it is beyond the resurrection of Christ. Jesus rose from the grave so that we can too. Easter begins with the evening. And Easter is the promise that illumines the world. The promise that no part of you and no part of this world is beyond the resurrection and redemption of God. This present darkness in our own lives, the darkness of loss, of sorrow, of pain, these are not the final word. God is blooming. God is creating. God is chasing us down in the darkness because nothing, no fear, no shame, no past nor present, not even death will keep the living God from calling us all into Jesus' resurrection. And Jesus bursts forth from the tomb in that dazzling darkness and light, the creator who has no end and no beginning. We have seen the empty tomb with these women we have seen the nonsense that is God's dazzling love for us. And now we must tell this world our good, nonsensical news. Even in these dark times, Jesus is not in the tomb, but has risen. Amen.